Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. And would you stand as we read it? You know that we're in a series on the parables, and this week we pick up uh, the classic parable. This is the prototypical, classic, standard parable, most frequently preached on and uh, most frequently in, in the Gospels, and it's found in Matthew 13, 1 to 9, and then the explanation by Jesus of 18 to 23. Inside those two sections is the explanation of why Jesus uses parables, and that's what Stephen, Pastor Baker, preached on last, last Sunday, all right? This is the Word of God, and it is eternally true. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, oh brother, I knew I should have gone through all my pages beforehand. Okay, here we go. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will feed us from your word and that we will be good soil. And that the words of my mouth and the meditation of every heart here will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this is the parable of the seed and the sower. And you know that the Seed is the word of God. It's the gospel. It is the doctrine of Jesus Christ, right? And so what Jesus is talking about, listen, give me a second here. I have to get my pages in order. I'm going to be scared. 
Okay. So what Jesus is doing is Jesus is saying to the... Um, Jesus is saying to his disciples that his preaching, the word of God, the preaching of the kingdom of God, the preaching of the kingdom of heaven, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is seed that is sown into the soil. And that the soil, depending upon the soil's condition, will be receptive to the seed, and the seed will take root and grow and produce fruit or it will be unreceptive to the seed, or it will have thorns, or it will have rocks under it, and that that seed will not germinate, or it will not germinate and live, it'll die, or it will not germinate and live and produce fruit. And so what Jesus is talking about is the preaching of God's word, the doctrine of scripture, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is the seed. And so the first thing we see here is that Um, God has written into everything you see in this world the truths of the kingdom of heaven. Now, we'll miss this normally when we read this. We won't think of the beauty of nature. We'll think about our own hearts because we always will individualize everything, you know. Well, what does this mean about my heart, you know? And you're supposed to ask that. But first, stop and think about the fact that all nature sings and round us rings the wonders of his love. That soil is proclaiming God by the way it works. They say that if you go up into space and you look down on America, the Great Plains, that you can actually see the paths of the covered wagons going west that they took so much traffic that the soil is permanently deformed, all right? And so if you go up into space and you look out on that, what you're going to see is soil that's the first kind of soil, which is that it's completely compacted. And therefore, there can't be any purchase by, by, by a seed. The seed can't sprout and put its tentacles in the soil and get nutrients or water because it's like, you know, can you imagine me throwing a piece of a seed down on this concrete? What, how's it going to grow? The only way it'll work is if it washes into a crack, you know? And Jesus is just saying, look at what God has shown us through soil that's compacted. God has shown us through the soil that's compacted the truth about many of our hearts. What are those hearts? Well, then you go to his explanation and you see what those hearts are that he's referring to. All right? What you see is that when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. All right? So if you have a swimming pool that you like to go to or a quarry, It has a path. It's not paved. You're not supposed to be there, you know, but enough cars find their way in there that it has a path. And that path has two places that won't allow anything to grow. It's compacted. And Jesus says that's the way that hearts are which don't understand the gospel, don't understand the kingdom of God, don't understand the word of God, don't understand the doctrine of eternal life. And so they're not receptive to scripture. They're not receptive to preaching. And so the minute the word of God comes to those people, guess what happens? 
Satan is the evil one, and he comes and he snatches the seed, and he eats it like a bird. He eats the seed. And so the seed is gone. And many of you will be like this. And if, in an hour or so, you will be at home, and you will be careless as you were when you came. You will have done the religious thing, but your heart is so hard that you have no understanding and every seed that's planted in you is stolen by Satan, okay? That's your condition. Now, how do you deal with that condition? Because Jesus isn't telling this to mock you or me. Jesus is telling us this so that we learn from it, right? The way you deal with that is you get a soft heart, right? You break up the hard scrabble ground so that there can be some understanding, so the seed can hide under little morsels of soil and the birds can't just pick it out, right? That's what you have to do. You have to break up your heart so that it can take seed and hold on to it, right? Now, how do you break up a heart? Well, there's only one way to do it, and that is by coming under conviction of sin. It's the only way. The only way that you can gain understanding about the gospel is when you begin to see your sin. And so one of the things that preaching does constantly is it gets out the plow or the rototiller, and it's and it's like it's breaking up that hard ground. It's it's breaking up the compacted soil. It's breaking it up. Now if any of you ever done rototilling? Is it a pain? Well, not if you use Charlie's rototiller. That's an inside joke. Um, rototilling is very hard. When I was a young man, my mother and dad had humongous gardens. And I was a rototiller, and they had a rototiller that was four-pronged, small, at the front. And I'm glad I was young when I had to do that every year because it was a pain. Breaking up hard ground is difficult. If you look at the amount of weight and the number of sharp edges that are used to break up the prairie, right? It's hard work. And so often people will come in this church who are completely lacking any understanding of the word of God. They've sat under the preaching of the word for decades They have no understanding of the gospel, none whatsoever. And they'll come in here, and we'll talk to them about the love of money. And I'll say something like, you know, I've realized with my thing about TNT repairable and cars that I'm loving money. I have to stop. And they'll go, they're so judgmental here. I mean, what's wrong with TNT repairable? And we'll say, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with TNT repairables, nothing wrong with used cars, there's nothing wrong with mechanics and body shops, there's nothing wrong with any of that. I'm telling you, I'm loving money, right? And people who have no understanding of the gospel coming into that, they'll say, well, I thought this was the American dream. And we'll say, yeah, it is, and that's wicked. Well... You see, they have no understanding. They can't understand how we could confess as sin something that most men think is a good life's work. Do you understand? 
in the Christian church, the true preaching of the word, it's constantly pointing out to us from the pulpit the sins of our hearts. And if we're resistant to seeing our sin, then what we're doing is we're putting down some like two by 12s over top of the ruts so that they can't get, you see? You understand? In other words, one of two things can happen. If you want seed to grow there, you're going to have to take the rototiller or a shovel or a plow to the path and break it up, right? But if, you, if to you, the perfect path is a path that doesn't allow seed to grow, then you'll take two by 12s, big boards, and put them over top so no rototiller can touch them. And that's what we see going on in this church all the time, is people will come into this church and they'll think that to be a Christian is to have compacted soil. And they'll describe that as grace. Do you understand? And they will describe a sermon that calls people to repent as a sermon that's legalistic. Do you understand? And all of a sudden, we have principles to defend being the very soil Jesus warned against. And so the first kind of soil is compacted. It won't give purchase to a seed. It's hard. And what you need to do with that soil is you need to bust it up with a plow, with a rototiller, with a shovel, with something. Otherwise, the kingdom of heaven won't come to that heart. Do you understand me? And you want the kingdom of heaven to come to your heart. And so you should always seek to be under preaching that breaks up the hardness of your heart. And of course, the pastor that does that is going to be obnoxious. And get over it. Everything isn't about your preferences. You can have that on Facebook if you want. You know? In the church, there should be a place where you are safe to be told the truth. All right, so that's the first kind of soil. You see this? You don't want to be hard ground. You want it busted up, and you have to be under the preaching of the word for that to happen. You have to have a wife who tells you the truth. You can't have a wife that's cringing all the time and expect your soil to get broken up. If your wife is afraid of you, it's terrible because you won't get your hard ground broken up by your wife. That's why God gave her to you. She's supposed to be a help. I'm looking at the, one of the couples that's been married a short time because I'm assuming that will be helpful to you, right? <laughs> you know? I mean, think about my wife. This last week, she lost something that was very valuable. And then she sends me an email, and the email goes on and on and on about how this was of God. Well, it was mine. And she lost it. And we're telling me it's of God. And so I wrote her back and I said, you're being impertinent. <laughs> Guys, listen. There's no way to enter the kingdom of heaven without having tender ears and consciences to those who point out our sin. Because right at that point where we realize our sin is where the word of God can work its way down in and put out its germinations and take root. Yesterday we were examining some officers for another church. And there was one dude who's a dude 
okay? This guy uh, doesn't particularly like to read. Um, he works with his hands, and he's pretty doggone good at what he does with his hands. And he is master of his destiny until his marriage started to fall apart. And over the course of a couple of months, through the godly faith of his relatives and his wife, this man all of a sudden had his eyes opened to his wickedness and his sin. Now, mind you, this is a proud dude. This is a man who is independent, who is known for excellence in his work, right? This is, this is not somebody who's failed to get a performance degree and is now in music education. <laughs> Have they booted you yet or they're still letting you do the instrument? Yeah. Oh, you're in the pastor's college. Well, that's... <laughs> Yeah, if you're Christian, that's what you do. <laughs> you know, you can't make it with a performance. You go, I'm in the pastor's college. D. Wayne's doing that too. <laughs> I just cracked myself up. So he was asked to give his testimony, and he talked about how he came to faith because he saw his sin. There is no way to become a Christian without having your heart broken about your sin. That is the essence of Christian faith. Okay? I said to a young man this morning, I'm so happy to welcome you to the church, because this young man has had his sin come out. And prior to this time, this man has just reigned imperially. He's been the clean guy, you know, not to his parents, but to the rest of us. And now all of a sudden his sin is clear. And now we're free to love him. Why? Because in the church we love one another because God first loved us and God loved us while we were yet sinners. While we were his enemies, he set his affection on us and called us. So... This first soil that's compacted, it's so important that you realize how it is that you lack understanding. And the way you lack understanding is by being resistant to having your sin pointed out. You get angry at the preacher, you get angry at scripture, you get angry at God, you, you, and so you keep your soil, you lay down two by twelves over it, you know, or OSB or something but you keep it from getting broken up. And you make a principle out of that. You say that the church is filled with hypocrites. You say that, that you don't have to listen to them because you're Roman Catholic. You say that, that, that you believe all roads lead to heaven and to God. And you have all kinds of ways of refusing to look at your sin. Do you understand? But the kingdom of heaven only comes to sinners because what Jesus said is, I have not come for the righteous but for sinners. And sinners from China, and sinners from, I'm from Philadelphia, and sinners from Lafayette, and sinners from Bedford, and sinners from Coral Ridge, or Coral Gables, or Coral something or other, and I don't even know where you're from. I don't know where you're from. It doesn't matter. We're all the same. Red and yellow, black and white. 
So break up your fallow ground. Don't let Satan steal the gospel from you. Be a sinner, and then you'll be a member of this church. That's all we are. The number two is, and I have to speed up now. That was my wife laughing out loud. Number two is what? This is the seed, says Jesus. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arise, is because of the word, immediately he falls away. This seed and the soil are always defined to me by two patches of ground at the estate that I worked at in seminary where I was the gardener and chauffeur and all this other stuff for him. And I cut 2.8 acres by hand every week on cliffs over the ocean because it was on cliffs the the grass often was just an inch or two above rock outcroppings, right? Right? And what would happen is, is the sun would come down in the summer. In the spring, it generally did well because there was a lot of moisture. But as the summer came, grass that was above rock would just die because it couldn't put down deep roots and because the rock underneath it would dry it out because the rock was exposed and then went underground. And so the heat from the sun would then come through and it would just dry out the grass Nothing would grow there unless you just watered it constantly. That's the soil that Jesus is talking about here. Now, what is superficial soil? Well, superficial soil is soil that's very hospitable to uh, TV preachers and to um, formalistic religion and to bells and smells, to incense, to people who go to church to have a certain mystical itch scratched. Do you understand this? And, you know, we go into, I was reading about a woman recently, uh, and, and what it said about her church was that she had just installed in her church, she was a pastor, she just installed a, uh, 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 a labyrinth prayer walk in the church courtyard. And so then she had a theological explanation of her labyrinth prayer walk. You see, this is very superficial soil. Churches like this appeal to the basest desires of your heart. They have babes in tight leather pants and spikes up on the platform singing before the sermon. I'm just quoting somebody here who told me about the church that they went, I haven't seen that. If I did see that, I would be out of there, right? Myself. Ah. That's my granddaughter. Um, These are churches that have sermons that never, ever scratch the surface of you. They talk about President Obama and how wicked he is. They talk about the Democrats. They talk about public school. They talk about everybody's sin except mine and yours. And so you go to a church like that, and if they have good coffee and babes singing, 
And the preacher tells funny stories and has good poetry and occasionally elicits a tear. Why, you can be godly. You know, you can have, you know, the plant pops up, you know, and, and you go, and it's just, and we're just, and you know, pretty soon, I'm speaking out on the conference circle. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a celebrity, and I can tell everybody that I'm running about 5,000 every Sunday. And what Rita Cuffey says is, the sermons are a helpful thought for the week. Now, would any of you describe what I've done so far here today as a helpful thought for the week? <laughs> no. No. A necessary thought. A gold thought. A painful thought. Listen, don't ever go looking for a religion that allows you to have cheap growth that won't survive any persecution. Because I warn you, persecution is here and it's going to get worse. And none of this cheap growth, none of it is going to survive persecution. That's why churches like that specialize in keeping you from ever speaking the gospel in the world unless the gospel is God loves you and has a wonderful man for your plan. In other words, just a truncated, thin veneer of a gospel that is lowest common denominator and can get people in the door and then send them out to tell other people that God loves them and has a wonderful wife for their life. You guys understand what I'm saying. And then you write a, a poem like Sam Schumacher wrote, I stand at the door. Other people can go deep into the house of God, but I'm a doorman and I don't specialize. I don't go deep. I'm always there ready for the sinner to help him enter. And you read this poem and the whole thing is a justification of the 20th century parachurch movement that did everything it could from, to keep from having to disciple anybody, but just just to introduce them to someone that can make their life better than what it was yesterday. And it's like, if that's what God is, who needs him? What, what, what Peter said was, Lord, he said, Jesus said, are you going to leave me also? And Peter said, what? He said, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And so this cheap, you know, on the soil, sprouts quickly, then persecution comes, then it dies. This is the cheap religion of America, the civic religion, okay? And it's not going to last one instant when persecution comes. That's what Jesus says. Do you understand? And Jesus says you can know it because it won't last one second when persecution comes. Now, do you want to know whether or not your soil is over rocks and it's... It, it, it's cheap growth or whether it's real growth. Here's how you know it. You go into your life wherever you are, whatever department, whatever dorm, whatever uh, factory, whatever neighborhood you live in, and you speak of Jesus and you speak of sin. And immediately persecution will come. And you notice what Jesus says about the persecution? Did you notice? 
If you're persecuted, you did notice what he said about the persecution. Because it's precious to you. What did Jesus say about the persecution? Jesus said that the persecution is what? Come on, say it. Because of the word. And if you're persecuted, you know that the reason you think you're persecuted is because you didn't get it right that time. And so you got to go back and study again so that you can give the gospel without being offensive. There's no such thing. You can never bring the word into your world, into your dorm, into your department, into your neighborhood, never without being offensive and being persecuted. And so if you want to know whether you're deep, good soil, take the word of God wherever you are. Don't, don't be a jerk. I'm not trying to get you to be a jerk. But I'm telling you that there's an essential attribute of the word of God that it is offensive to the wicked world we live in. And so you will be persecuted. And if that persecution is not scandalous to you and doesn't make you run away from Jesus and the people of God, then you know that you're not rocky soil. And that's a good experiment. Right? Everybody with me? You understand what I'm saying? Want to know if you're rocky soil? Go out and solicit some persecution. And then watch how you respond. And if you still love Jesus... And you don't want to not hear his people and his word anymore. You still need them and you love them. Then you're not rocky soil. Now, the final kind of soil is soil that is evidenced by, we know it's deep black prairie, right? And it's evidenced by what? What is the main determinant of of good soil or the main indicator of good soil? It's fruit. It's fruit. Do you bear fruit for God? It's a simple question, isn't it? If I were to ask a cherry tree if it bears fruit for God, we would know the answer, wouldn't we? If I were to ask a cow whether it's casting its calves or not, we would know, wouldn't we? We know what fruit is everywhere, don't we? With our gardens, nobody's ever crying tears over, except maybe my wife, over how many tomatoes the tomato plants produce. Okay? And so what about you, spiritually? What about you before God? Are you fruitful? Are you? Are you fruitful? Now, because I believe that if we go for the men, then the women will be happy. Let me make just two applications of this. If you look at pornography, you are not fruitful. Okay? Don't lie to me. Don't lie to God. If you love strange flesh, that is fruitlessness. Now, think about what I'm saying, and it almost becomes humorous. Who has ever had a child with a chick on a computer screen? 
Pornography is by definition sterile. And that's why you do it. You understand that? It involves none of the obligations, no manliness, none of the relationships, none of the work. It's just you all sterile with yourself. So if you're looking at pornography and that's your commitment in your life, you are fruitless. You're fruitless in having children. You're, you're fruitless in your, in, your, in your reproductive things, you know. You're fruitless with your wife because you're jeopardizing your marriage and her children, and she hates you for that. You're not preparing yourself to be a husband and a father. Do you understand me? So you want to know what fruitfulness is? It's reserving your body and your reproductive system for the woman that God gives you and for the protection of the children that God presents you through that marriage bed. <laughs> now, come on, you've got to admit it's true, right? This is, nobody's ever said it to you. You are not fruitful if you are committed to the idolatry of pornography. Okay? We're all on board now, right? Women, is that true? Come on, say it out loud. It's true. Okay. Now, the other thing, I said I had two, and here's the second one. The other thing that is fruitfulness in your life is that you will be a confessor and a preacher of righteousness. You know how um, in the scripture today it said what? It said, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. You remember that? But rather, what? Expose them. So I just dealt with the fruitless deeds of darkness, you know? Computer screens at night, you know? But rather, expose them. That's the second step. The second step is that you begin to be a preacher of righteousness, you begin to notice which way your brother in the apartment where you live, his computer screen is facing. And you engage your own demons by speaking to him of his. You become a preacher of righteousness. Do you know that this is what the New Testament tells us is true of Noah? Noah lived in a wicked time when every inclination of every man's heart was evil. And then the Bible tells us in the New Testament that Noah was what? A preacher of righteousness. Can you think of a better day to be a preacher of righteousness in America today? I mean, if you were a preacher of righteousness, it would be a dream to be set down in America today. Because you were made for this time and this place, right? I mean, can you think of a better place to be in Indiana than Bloomington? I mean, forget Lafayette. We have perfected it. Right? Right? Can you think of a better place to be a preacher of righteousness than the music school of Indiana University? I mean, I mean, I suppose the Kinsey Institute would be even better, but barely. Or the business school.
God's word says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. If you want to see fruit in your life, you begin to expose darkness. You begin to be a preacher of righteousness. And you'll bear fruit. Now, I want to make it absolutely clear. I do not mean to be a moralistic prig. I do not mean someone who parades his superior knowledge of systematic theology. I do not mean somebody that trots out abortion every time a woman comes within 10 yards. What would be helpful is for you to talk about your sin and use that as an entry point with the people that you're with. What would be helpful is to not major in the sins that are known as the special commitments of the Republican Party. You know, abortion, homosexuality, homosexual marriage. But the truth is, the world sets the agenda. They're the ones that put the menu in front of us. And so if they put those things in front of you, you can't say, well, I better not be a preacher of righteousness because then they'll think I'm engaging in the culture wars or I'm a Republican. You know what I'm saying? What we have to do is love the people we're talking to and be sensitive to them and sharpen the knife instead of dulling it, right? Right? Does that make sense? So these are the soils. It's the ground that's compacted. There's no understanding. Resistance to the preaching of sin. Resistance to the conviction of sin. And Satan just takes the seed away. It's the ground where the rocks... Oh, I I skipped the third one. That's why some of you are looking at me. It's the rocks where there's cheap, quick growth. And then the third one is the soil that has tons of... uh, Uh, thorns, thistles, weeds. And those weeds are the cares of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. They're uh, TNT repairable. They're eBay. They're uh, motorcycles. They're IU basketball. They're the NFL. Um, Craft beer, cigars, pipes. Um... Their competitiveness with other mothers who has a more clean home, you know, or who does a better job homeschooling, right? Uh, I don't know, what are women's? Vanity, you know, who's more beautiful? What, what are the women's? I don't know. I, I don't know. But I know the men's. And these are the things that grow up with the seed. And at first, it's not entirely clear that the seed is jeopardized. The seed gets a good running start. It kind of looks good. But as the years go by, what used to be an occasional beer or an occasional wine is now the love of alcohol. And the love of alcohol kills the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? So that's the third one. And then the fourth one is the deep soil. And that soil is fruitful by having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Okay? And so which are you? One last thing and we'll be done. Um,
Would you please notice that these four kinds of seed are always in the church Sunday morning? In other words, would you please notice that the vast majority of people who have ever lived are not any of these four kinds of seed? Because the word of God never falls on them. (laughs) They were not listening to Jesus. Do you understand me? Jesus was at the apex of his popularity when he gave this parable. And it's all declined from this, this point out. And so Jesus was saying it to those who had taken the initiative to come out and listen to him. So this is a parable for the church. This is not a parable for the railer, godless man who won't listen to anybody. This is a parable for those who sit under the preaching of the word. Okay? In other words, this is our parable. Apply it to yourself. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this parable and for the evidence this morning of the truth that through the ages there have been many who have been under the preaching of the word and have not known the true God. Father, you know that every single one of us here has some degree of each part of these soil, and certainly all of us have many, many weeds and thorns in our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us to discipline and to weed vigilantly, that we will discipline ourselves so that we will not need to be disciplined. And we do pray, Father, for those here whose hearts are compacted and hard, that the preaching of the word will bust up the fallow ground and that it will allow root to take root in its seed and to grow. We pray for those who have had some growth in the past, but their hearts have been burned out by persecution, that you will teach them to love persecution. And we pray that all of us might bear real fruit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.